You're listening to Within Tolerance, a podcast for machinists by a machinist. I'm your host, Dylan Jackson from Proteo Machining, and this week I'm doing something a little different. I know a lot of you were able to come to IMTS, but I know a lot of you also weren't. And so I have kind of reached out to a lot of past guests who were there, and they've all come on, and we're going to share our thoughts, feelings, all that stuff about the show. And so first up, I am joined by my business partner, Brad. Welcome, Brad. Hey, guys. And so, Brad, what was the coolest thing you saw at the show? Uh, that's a tough question because there was a lot of really cool stuff at the show. But the one thing that stands out to me most um, was the staring machines, I think, and the tool hall, or the machine hall, I should say. Yeah, that was pretty excellent. I think that that's up there on my list of coolest thing as well. Um, I think it was the 191 Neo demo that we both watched. Yeah. Yeah. And we both got parts from it. And like they were making this peak. I want to say it was like a bone implant or something. Yeah, I think uh, it's a medical implant. Yeah. But man, like talk about just a cool machine. The apps guy who was showing it to us was great. And yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed that demo for sure. Yeah, I think I, having uh, an apps guy actually demo the machine instead of a salesman was the, definitely the right move. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that all of the demos that we had that were from apps guys. Like I, I can't remember what booth we were at, but one of the guys I was asking and he was like, oh, I'm just an apps guy. Like you have to talk to a sales guy. I was like, no, 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 no. You're the guy I want to talk to. Like you're the right. guy who has the info that I actually need. Yeah. Uh, what about things that I guess we bought or will buy shortly from the show? Um, I think that we as a company, Proteum, only purchased two things. and <laughs> They're both like the same thing. Um, we bought a spindle cleaner. Yep. And I think that's, that's basically it. We bought two spindle cleaners. Yeah. So we bought, we, we walked by Jam Performance, who makes the pull studs that we like. And they have a spindle cleaning kit that's like a, an aluminum, billet aluminum spindle cleaner with replaceable wipers. And like it comes with a couple bottles of spindle cleaner, which I assume is just some light oil or something. And so we bought that and we're waiting on that to be, I guess, built. They're built build to order, I guess. Uh, Assembled, the, maybe, yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing we bought that I actually just received yesterday was a Big Kaiser tool holder taper cleaner. And so it actually wipes both the taper and the face contact of all of our dual contact holders at the same time, which, I mean, we've done for years with rags or whatever, but yeah. it'll be kind of nice to have something that fully seats up against the holder and makes it really nice to just wipe that stuff off. Yeah. So we'll have a clean spindle and clean holders. Yeah. Which is definitely necessary. Um, yeah. Certainly on our nice, nice holders that we have now. Yeah. Now that we're all uh dual contact, which yeah. I say big plus. Right. Uh, what about trends you noticed overall? I think the biggest trend that I, I, to me, it seemed like was uh, everyone's coming out with their own zero point systems, which I think is great. Um, it seems like if you have a like a, a work holding system that you're a part of that you're into already that you bought into, and they come out with some zero point stuff that you could add on to existing hardware, I think that'd be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I think we saw a lot of that. Um, the other thing I noticed a lot of was just automation in general. It seemed like every booth or every machine tool builder had some kind of robot system or pallet yeah, loading system. Uh, I think that it's nice to see so much of the industry going that way. Uh, yeah. I, I thought it was really cool. We got to play with those. Um, what were those robots called? The OB7s that were oh, across yeah. the Amazon. Yeah. 
And like, I thought it was so cool that they are so easy to use that you literally just walk up and like, there's not even a salesman around. There's just like a card that's like, here's how to program the OB7. And like the, the salesman might come over and ask if you need any help, but like, you could just be like, no, they're like, all right, have fun. Then just yeah, there were like away. three things on that card and that's all you had to do to get it running. Yeah. It was super intuitive. It was a, a very good UI. Yeah. I, I was pretty impressed with that overall. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And then let's go into what was your favorite memory from this IMTS? Uh, I don't think I have a specific memory, but like memories, there's multiple things. So I don't have a very large or basically any online presence in social media, especially with machining. Um, but meeting up all these people with these people and they knew who I was from the podcast is, is kind of really neat. So just, you know, like, Oh, you're Brad. Yeah, I know you. And this is pretty, uh, pretty interesting to meet a lot of people who knew me, but I have no idea who they were. Yeah. I, uh, the IMCS, I think I've got two favorite memories. Um, one was the IMTS meetup for sure. And like, thank you to everyone who's listening, who came and met, met up and then just had fun and like i really loved meeting each and every one of you i hope i was able to like give you each enough time and talk with you because it, it felt so overwhelming and i don't know if that came across but it just was like I, way more people than i think dan and or i expected at the meetup well if you were there um, you knew it was definitely overwhelming there was a lot of people there yeah yeah and it went off for a long time too like you, you went off with your uh your old co-workers for a little yeah. while and came back and you're like, I can't believe it's still going on. I think I came back two hours later and it was still just as hot as it was. I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. And then I'd say tied for that for first place was uh, Hermla presented me with a mini SEP. So if you were at the show, you saw they made SEP, which is their new demo piece, which is a German monk brewer. Bavarian monk. Yeah. Yeah. Bavarian monk. And um they presented me with a small one for the channel for with intolerance. Well, small is relative here. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they presented to me and it was still what, maybe a foot tall or 10 inches tall. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And I think they could see the panic in my face when they first gave it to me because it was like 10 AM, you know, first day. Um, and I was like, uh Oh, you know, am I going to have to walk around with this (laughs) piece like for the entire day? And like, how do I get it back through? through bag check and stuff and like they could, i think they could see that panic and they're like no no it's okay we're gonna ship it to you yeah um but it was great like we got to sit down with uh all the people from hermla and kind of talk about the machines and where they see the industry going and yeah. it was just oh man it was such a surprise like they had asked me to come by the booth i i figured it was just like a meet and greet or just saying hi or something and then to be given that was just so amazing. And so I really, you know, want to thank everyone at Hermo that made that happen. So they were giving these away to people who have influence in the industry. And I think just being recognized uh, as having influence is, is enough praise alone, let alone getting the set itself. Yeah. 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 I, I think they gave one to like Saunders as well. Like people who, yeah. I, I think they said it was like for people who are like doing a good job, like promoting the industry. Um, yeah. And so like, yeah, just to be a part of that group of people was really a, quite the honor and, and really, really cool. So I, I definitely thank everyone who did that. And then, yeah, like I said, everyone who came to the meetup, thank you guys so much. It was so cool to like put faces to so many names that I've been talking to on DM on Instagram for so long or on the discord. So it was really, really cool to meet everybody. 
Well, thanks so much, Brad. And we'll bounce on to the next person. Thank you. All right. So I'm here with Chris Zappatini. Chris, what was the yes. coolest thing you saw at the show? Um, the, or things. Things. There's a lot of things. Uh, there's some like really wonky machines out there. Uh, like the the Modig uh, inverted like five axis machines were pretty intense. Uh, a lot more like VTLs. The 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 automation in general and like where the industry is going in terms of automation was probably like that there's like a huge collective um uh like hive mind <laughs> so to speak towards going towards automation in the industry is like really sweet to see um and that everybody like recognizes that we need to close the skill gap uh cuz it's huge right now it got worse uh i think we probably had like 10 years or so um of uh time with like current people but like covid kind of accelerated that to like two and everybody you're like kind of being on the same page of like where to go that like that's not like a sexy answer like in terms of specific things but like what just like seeing like where the industry is going um and that everyone's on the same page for the most part in the industry is was really cool i like that a lot were there any demos that you thought were exceptional that you saw um uh like some of the some of the automated um like like moving of like things around you know like the the little like pallet deals and everything um was pretty interesting uh like all the like all the little like bolt-on cells that everybody's kind of coming out with there's so many of them uh and everybody's going towards that way like it's it's hard to narrow in like this show is just so big it's hard to narrow in on like one specific thing that you see that's like really really sweet um but yeah yeah in general automation all the automation okay. <laughs> yeah so cool um next question was are there was there anything at the show that you bought or will buy shortly for your business no uh i don't think so uh or i guess um, in your case anything that you will try to bring into your turn yeah. or anything like that uh yeah probably yeah there's a lot of there's a load of stuff um like we do so actually might might buy hypermill actually because okay. like i have some customers that that like use that in addition to mastercam and they've been wanting us to do more programming in hypermill so might jump on the hypermill train just to like expand our business a little bit um, definitely like in terms of implementation, uh, there's some cool shit, like all the UR stuff, um, is like really like, I want to start getting way more into the UR stuff. Uh, cause it's, it's not, and, and really just collaborative robots in general, it, it makes, it makes the implementation of automation a lot like easier for the most part. Cause you don't need like as much of like a big, apparatus with like guarding and a safety system to get things going you just slap those on there um and get it moving so that's probably a big implementation uh <clears throat> and like looking at like some panel pcs and things like that for uh like standard products um and okay. and Any trying tooling to work. or new tool manufacturers you saw no, uh no, I don't think so. Uh like I mean Imco had a pretty big booth. I'm a big fan of Imco tools already. Like I mean I have like their their power path in mill like tattooed on my arm right here. It <laughs> ripped, dude, like five flute chip breaking in mills, like you just they, they just hog. Um like we don't 
we don't replace them uh uh for the most part like like right now we're doing like at the facility in boise we got one of those bad boys like an inch and uh and five eighths or like two inch flute length doing like 500 inches a minute and like a quarter inch or not quarter inch an eighth inch uh radial sidestep like just moving um that's awesome they, yeah they work really really well um and i i mean i've been using we've been using phrasia a little bit more uh yeah. on like the cosmetics uh like we do a lot of like these particular parts are like almost completely surfaced so we've gone towards like some really high performance two flute phrasia um ball and like sphero x or something like that sphero they're, they're great yeah like they're so sexy it's out of control um yeah. and they work really well uh, so that, that was cool. That was cool. And like, I, I always like to try like for, for better or for worse, like I never go into anything with like, um, with like, these are the things I'm going to do. I like on every project, we'll try something new just for, just to see like, like you, you, as you like build your bag of tricks, you're like, I'll try this now. I'll try this now. I'll try this now with like a certain amount of calculated risk. So it's like, it is cool to like go out and see all these different things and like, I will try that and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, so you already mentioned automation, but were there any other trends that you noticed overall at the show? Um, nah, like it, I mean, it seems like paper, like paperless is also a big push. Like, I mean, there's that company paperless parts, right? Like that's coming out. That's like going pretty uh, gangbusters right now. You see them all over, but yeah, like, automation and paperless like essentially like make everything as easy and simple as possible to get going uh seems to be general the trend like generally the trend that's that's happening um i was i was like really really impressed with just like there was a robot in like almost every booth you know yeah. um and like it's like yeah you don't like I mean, there, there was that one prototype was like, they had it like from, I think it was like a Taiwanese company where they had uh like the robot that like had arms and stuff and was like, just like in a, in a pen, like moving around. And it's like, and I, one guy was like, I fucking want that. I want that. He's like, whoa, calm down. It's a prototype. <laughs> uh, I missed that, but that sounds a little terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what about favorite memory from the show this year? Um, uh, the favorite memory for the show. Uh, I got to like, I got to talk to a lot of my former, uh, coworkers at methods. I hadn't really seen them in a long time. Cause I don't like spend a lot of time back East. Um, kind of like when I hired, uh, my automation guy, Brian, I kind of like pissed some people off over there cause he was working there. And I like, I didn't necessarily do it in the most graceful way. Uh, I realized after the fact, uh, so, being able to like talk to some of those guys um, and like clear, like clear the air a little bit um, was probably one of my uh, favorite memories. I spent like, I spent a shitload of time with Pat Hayes, one of the owners of Selway. We got to chat. He told me like his whole story. Like he almost died a couple times um, recently. And uh, yeah, like he was in the hospital for a really long time, uh, kind of can't, but he's come out swinging and he's like crushing. And now we, like, he's like the whole reason I went to IMTS in the first place. Uh, so we like, 
he like put me up in his hotel for a couple of days, um, oh, cool. which was, yeah, which was cool. So we like, it was like a good like bonding experience and like came out pretty strong and like we, we have a good working relationship and now I, th- I like to think we have like a pretty good personal relationship as well. So those are, um, and just like seeing a lot of people that I haven't seen in a long time and like interacting with all these, uh, machine tool guys. Um, and like, I'm on a business level. I mean, I got a load of leads from the show, which was nice. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you so much. And I will make sure to link all your stuff in the description. Cool. Thanks, Thanks, Chris. Yeah, you got it. And I'm back with Easton from Mori Manufacturing. Easton, what was the coolest thing you saw at the show? Yeah. Hey, Dylan. Um, So I, I think I was saying right before we hit record is, Probably a lot of people are going to have similar answers, but kind of specifically about them, I guess the probably two coolest things I saw at the show was the demo that Stereg was doing uh, with the peak like little implant. But specifically, I guess the, the part about that, and, and I think people might have seen this on my Instagram, was the uh, brush for deburring at the end of the cycle. It's like one of those stupid, simple things that's like, why didn't I think of trying that in, in plastic? And so I kind of got back from the show and I tried it on a job I was doing where I'd make some little medical parts with a neural on them. And so I was thread milling to do the neural and it left a giant amount of burrs in the part and a simple like $3 brush from Menards, like completely (laughs) got rid of all of the burrs. So that was pretty cool. Um, Just kind of seeing how they're doing like a one piece flow. Um, And then the brother M200 um, which has been around for a number of years, I guess. I mean, in various names and revisions, but right. Yeah, if we count the M140, it's been around for quite some time. Yeah, and it's but it's just kind of cool to see them finally moving into having full dynamic work offsets, like a uh, tool center point control and everything on a machine that still can do turning, and seeing them go up in like number of tools and and just seeing them kind of adapt to the market a little bit more than you'd expect out of kind of a conservative Japanese company. For sure. Yeah. Now we just got to convince them to import them with the side windows and I'll be very happy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, next question. Is there anything you bought or will buy shortly from the show? Yeah. I mean, so again, one of them is the, the brother M 200 is pretty good contender for my shop. Been looking for a, mill turn for a while um kind of like a small slash medium sized mill turn and it's like it's a little bit daunting to kind of step into a five hundred thousand dollar plus machine that's the size of a school bus oftentimes <laughs> and just consuming like huge amounts of power and everything and so it's been on the list for a while but in the interim it might actually make sense to go for a, a brother just with the with the pretty reasonable base price the fact that it can still do a little bit of turning um i'm kind of looking for something that can still do a little bit of milling um and the other one is something i've kind of known about for a while but it was or two things actually but a good thing to like see at the show was uh a, a small like 20 millimeter swiss um i'm looking for something for the shop for that uh the citizen l16 that i've got has been great but it's fairly limiting in number of tool positions as well as it's it's 16 millimeter and most of everything I do is uh, out of three quarter bar. So right. I end up having to run that in one of my larger machines. 
And then the last one is uh, I kind of went shopping for something for like a around the 30, 40 millimeter range. So um, I've currently got a, a Miano BNC 34. It's about 37 years old. So it's getting up there in age. Uh, I end up relying on it a lot for some of our production parts. And that's a little bit scary at this point. So it was really good to get to kind of relook around and, and kind of confirm again that probably a Miano is still the right answer. Um, and they so, had some really cool offerings. Like they, they had that one with the integrated robot on the top, which was really neat. Um, and I don't think that that was anything you were really looking at because it's not, it doesn't really enhance your capabilities at all. But just like hearing that you could get a robotized, you know, twin spindle lathe for like three hundred, I think they said, or something like that, was pretty yeah, neat. They've got a lot of really good options, and it was it was cool seeing their booth too because it's it's a lot of the little things that are like don't really like jump out at you like. Something was super cool, I think, on the BNE uh, 51. It's like a twin spindle, twin turret um, lathe. And they had the whole backside of the sub spindle area. That whole sheet metal panel was on wheels. So you could just roll it open and have full like access to the entire sub spindle for your chuck limit switches and everything like that. So it was, it was really just cool seeing like that they really thought through how to go about building a lathe like that. And then getting to see the BNA 42 SY, which is their job shop machine is what they've come out with. It is, I think like last year. Was that um, the one with the Mitsubishi control that you were standing at for a while? Uh, no. So that one is actually, it's actually Fanuc. So they went back to Fanuc on that one. It is not a traveling sub spindle. So it's a, it's only a six axis lathe in the sense that it's got, no, like you don't have an X2 axis on your sub, so it's a little bit faster to program. You've got 12 stations instead of eight stations on the turret. Um, so you get a little bit more tooling capacity and I think it's a little bit cheaper. So that is kind of the machine. Like I, I literally emailed my uh, sales guy last night for a quote nice. um, as just to kind of get that ball rolling. Cause I, I'd like to go brother M200 next, but it kind of the way I'm looking at like, I spent some time yesterday looking through kind of all my active jobs and most of them are under 50 millimeter bar and could really benefit from a Y axis lathe. So that's kind of the, it, it, IMTS really got me fired up to just kind of get another lathe in here and, and keep going with what I'm doing kind of thing. For sure. And then what about tooling? I know you spent quite a bit in the big die show booth and around some of that other stuff. Is there anything else you were looking at picking up? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I saw too much in the tooling area that I didn't already really know about. Um, it, it was it was disappointing on a couple of the booths that they didn't have the thing that I've been looking for. Like, like they did they ha- if if it was something in their catalog I've been looking at, they just didn't bring it to the show or, or that kind of thing. And I mean, I definitely got a chance to see some cool stuff from like MST. Um, they've got a cool right angle head that is about 2500 bucks for this video it's um, not bad at all no it's really not and they had a really cool demo where they were they literally had a, a an s500 x2 in their booth and they were just drilling cross holes in the side of a part and so that the they have a, an angled version of it they've got all sorts of stuff so it might be worth picking that something like that up uh can do like tapping up through i think m6 or something oh wow um so 
it, it just seemed like a really cool option. Um, they had so, all sorts of cool tools for that. I guess there was, it was cool to see some of the tools. It was cool to see some of the Rego fix stuff in, in person. Um, I, I got to look into it a little bit more, but it wasn't actually in the tooling area, but Miano was using uh, Rego fix in their live tools, mm-hmm. which was pretty cool. Uh, I, I haven't seen that before. And so it was worth maybe looking into that kind of thing. They also had the new press that I had, I didn't even see in the Rego fix booth and like, maybe I missed it. But like the newest version of their press has like a digital screen now and all the dies have pins that automatically load in the settings for like the pressure and time and all that stuff. Um, and then Jeff promptly broke it by taking out the dies and starting to screw around with it. Well, I mean, granted, we both were. I will take oh, partial no, I mean, that, That's like but, half the fun uh, of IMTS is getting people to break their stuff. Like, it, Yeah. And, and part of what's entertaining about that is, is you get to like, that is really the power of IMTS. I mean, it was one of the machines I was really excited to see at IMTS was Star came out with a twin spindle, twin turret, like big lathe, not like a Swiss lathe, uh, like a traditional chucker. And it has miles of clearance on the inside of it. Like you can, Oh really? There is a good foot of clearance around the turret. So you have like, you could put super long tools in there, machine was really spacious it looked good the price was good and then you ask them to run a demo and the first thing it does is it comes in on the side of a brass bar to like cut a slot with like a three-eighths or maybe a 10 millimeter end mill and it's screaming in brass Ew. and so it's like five seconds in you're like all right cool i wouldn't have gotten that if by looking at a brochure it's right. like getting to see someone break something uh live is like or, or getting it to see it perform live is like so much more valuable i feel like than than watching uh, or, or again i mean going back to that stair egg demo i think um we asked him to restart the program in the middle of it yeah and the apps guy broke it immediately like it, it just it like alarmed out and watching how quickly they were able to recover from that was super cool to just kind of see it, it really shows you it's like a it's a real like acid test of the, of the machines kind of thing Right. Yeah. Cause I, I don't mind things breaking. I, everything's going to break eventually. I just want to see how easy it is to fix for the most yep. part. And that was what was super cool about that. Um, whole sub spindle door on the Miano is like on my Nakamura, I have to crawl into the back side of the sub spindle. Right. You have to crawl like three feet deep into there just to Oof. get to the chuck limit switches. And it's not like, oh, well, you only have to adjust the chuck limits, which is every once in a while. No, it's like every part you gotta, you gotta adjust with those. It a little bit. And it's yeah. like, I mean, Nakamura has since solved that, but it's like seeing like, that was like, that was what was cool about this year's IMTS. I feel like is like, I went into it knowing a lot more than I did the last time. And so I knew what questions to ask. It wasn't just like, oh, what's the uh, capacity of this lathe or, or, oh, can it cut? blank material or it's like of, of course it can right how do you adjust the chuck limit switches show me how mm-hmm. to do that or like how do you change the guide bushing like it, it was much more valuable this time around to have some of that experience and kind of walk into the show with a much closer focus on what, what i kind of wanted to do yeah yeah i felt that way when i went to zeiss i was like really picking her brain i was like Okay, yeah, but how do you handle this? Okay, but how do you handle this? Like, it wasn't just like, you know, over level questions of like, show me a program running. It was like, no, 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 let's get into the weeds because I need to figure out if this is even a viable option. 
it's like all the surface level of stuff. You kind of realize like it's the, the surface level stuff. You can get that out of a brochure or you can get that on day one of owning the machine. It's the deeper stuff that is going to screw you in the end. Right. And if you aren't prepared for that, when you make one of these purchases, that's where it's going to be like, that's where you're going to get into it at the end. Yeah. So the last question I had was what trends did you notice overall at the show? I, I don't know if this was, well, I, I saw one thing was, it was cool to see a lot of them kind of start abandoning what they were doing in, in 2018. That was really annoying. Like that whole, like super strong push into like this almost Amazon Alexa type, like yes. manufacturing and like everything is voice activated or everything is con- like industry 4.0. It was cool to see that they've shifted a little bit away from that and more towards, I think the current, like view on manufacturing of the not necessarily one piece flow but full full flow manufacturing where like there were several booths doing demos where it was either doing a three-part number one cycle program like Williman was making a vice that like you got three components out of one bar of material in one cycle and they were completely different part numbers and so having enough tools to do that and having enough like processes in place to switch between completely different part numbers and in seeing that with some of these automation cells and like across the the citizen booth and the Miano booth it was cool because every part in the booth was manufacturing a component for a full assembly which is pretty realistic manufacturing and it's like it, it's a lot of moving towards to that either one piece flow or that like getting as much done in one cycle with as much automation or as many axes as you can. Now that some of the programming has really caught up to that and the full simulations caught up to that and we're getting more tools and tool changers. It was like, I mean, going back to the the brothers, like they clearly are realizing that, that potential when they're adding 28 tools to all their machines and they're, adding some of this functionality of being able to just keep the thing going and and with as high mix as possible. And so it's like, for for us, it's like, we're still fairly high production shop, but we're doing high production, not in the same way that like Caterpillar and everything is doing high production where they're making one part for 20 years. Right. We're making one part for a month and then we're switching. And it's like having that ability to like that, that full flow, like, shop workflow where everything is tied together. Everything is working towards a common goal. I think it was pretty cool to see that at, at the show. For sure. And then lastly, what was your favorite part of IMTS? Could be at the show or outside of the show. What was I think it was, something it was just keep cool to kind of see everybody and, and see everything again. I mean, it was, it was exactly everything I remembered it being and more. And it was just, it was, it's just an experience. Like if you, if you've never been to the show, it's, it's extremely overwhelming. You need like a week to recharge afterwards. Um, yeah. And like it, it's, it's intense, but it's, it was good. And it was really cool getting to like, I mean, there, there was the meetup that you organized with Kern that was, it, it was on one level, it's just hilarious because you're sitting there and all the other booths around Kern are probably just looking at it going, what? what is going on over there? Are they giving away a free machine? Why are there like 200 people over there? There was uh, some guy um, from that absolute machine booth came by during the middle of it and just like walked up to us and was like, 
what the hell is going on? And we're like, oh, it's an instant machinist meetup. And he goes, what's that? And we're like, you probably wouldn't understand. It's social media. Yeah, he's it's, like, it's all right. Such- and just like walked off. It, it's just such a strange thing, but it's felt so natural and it was just really cool. And like getting to kind of just hang out. I mean, it was, it was great just having you come by my shop kind of thing beforehand. It was just, it was, it's a blast getting to just be like the weird, like level of nerd that all of us are. At, at, uh, right. No judgment. Like feeling normal. Kinda, You're like, yeah. Oh yeah. Everybody's this weird. Cool. Yeah, it's just kind of cool. It, it's like at the you get back from you're like, that was really weird. Why were we're just a bunch of random people from like a community on a social media app, not even remotely meant for what we're using it for. <laughs> um, getting together and just talking shop for like four hours. It was it, it was fun. It was it was a great time, and it was just. It was good to meet people that I've talked to for years and never met them in person. And turns out not all of them are serial killers and that's good. Yeah. Um, but I didn't, I didn't get killed once. It was great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, Easton, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, where can people find you online real quick? Yeah. I mean, uh, as always, I mean, you can find me on Instagram. I think it's Moria underscore manufacturing. And then, uh, website is moriamanufacturing.com. Um, so awesome. people can probably find me in those two places are probably the best place to find me kind of thing. So sounds good. Well, thanks for the time. Yep. All righty. <clears throat> I'm back with Pete from chatter. Pete, tell Hi. me about IMTS. What was the coolest thing you saw at the show? <laughs> Honestly, you know, the, the thing that I did not expect to blow my mind was the Akuma booth. Um, I have never known a lot about Akuma machines and been very familiar with them, but they just were really on top of their game in terms of like showcasing like the latest tech. I don't know if you kind of had that takeaway too. Um, I didn't spend a lot of time in their booth, but every time I walked through, there was another machine that was sold and it seemed like they were one of the few places actively selling like a bunch of machines. Yeah. I, I think what struck me about Akuma is how polished a lot of their newer tech was, um, you know, we saw sort of the trend at IMTS this year and, and I haven't, this is my first time out there, but, um, you know, the, the trend this year seemed to be this focus on integrated automation rather than, you know, the slap on the side of the machine automation and not to be critical of any, you know, particular brand, but you see a lot of integrations that are not like, I guess just don't feel organic. And yeah. one of the things that struck me at the Akuma booth is just how slick all their integrations was or were. Uh, they had this crazy, like it was two lathes in one. I should have looked up the model of this machine before um, we recorded this podcast, but it was two lathes back to back on one control with a gantry loader on either side. And this thing was fast. It blew my mind. So I, I think that was one of the coolest things I saw out there. The second thing as an, uh, as an Enshu fanboy, was definitely, <laughs> uh, the demo they were running. Uh, they had a 480 H, which is the same machine that I've been running, um, you know, for the past four years. And they had this cutting demo that they were doing. If you ask them and, 
it was so insane. They were running the spindle at 250% spindle Whoa. load. And even at the point where, on purpose, at one point during the program, the spindle itself bogs down. And as someone who has actually, like, who is intimately familiar with that machine, that demo blew my mind. That's nuts. They, they had some really cool stuff, like, a, a very interesting automation. Like, they had that weird vertical pallet system thing, like, that was, like, right at the, the, the head of their booth that I've never seen anything like that. Like it would like grab pallets and go up all the, over the other. Pa- it was kind of like a gantry loaded vertical kind of. Yeah, it was a five axis. I think it was a JE. I don't quite remember. Um, but what struck me about that machine is in typical Enshu fashion, when it's actually cutting, you can't see jack shit. <laughs> because the trunnion is faced away from you. Um, but the thing was badass. It, it, it was really, really cool. Yeah, that was great. Uh, let's see. Things that you bought or will buy shortly from the show. Um, well, this is a bit of news. I sold the shop. I think I might have told you that before. So yes, I wasn't congrats. really it was it was bizarre being out there at a trade show, you know, when the idea is to, you know, people to sell you stuff and and not being in a position to buy anything. <laughs> Um, yeah, so but you're full time at Chatter now, so congrats on that. Yeah, it's it's fun, and and the shop's still next door, uh, just behind this wall here. So sold it to a former employee of mine, um, so I'm still you know sort of involved there. But um, yeah, no, nothing really to report on the uh, the purchasing end. Well, let me rephrase that. Then, is there anything you saw that had you been continuing your shop, you would have bought? Probably that pallet system that they had on the Enshu. Um, you know, with these more obscure machines, it's a little bit harder to like figure out what you need to do for automation. If it's not like Haas and you can just go on their website and see exactly what like system you can, you know, just easily order and get on there. So um, that would definitely be something. Uh, there was a lot in the, um, honestly, the most interesting haul to me was the sort of work holding and tooling haul. Uh, they had, oh man, I wish I, remember the name of this brand uh but they do a lot of like hydraulic work holding stuff and uh, oh, it is, starts is with a v vectech vectech vevtech yeah. something like that and um man they their booth they did a killer job it their booth was very hands-on they had like pretty much every skew in their product line out there and um i was there with uh jeff and juan and we were just playing around with all the stuff and, and you could get your hands on. They had these cool demos where you could literally like, you know, actuate the hydraulics and, and see how these different things work. And, you know, that's definitely something that I, I took photos and videos and sent it back to the, the guy Brody who brought uh, who bought my shop. And, um, you know, hopefully he's going to integrate something like that. And, and if he you know allocates the budget for it, I'm definitely going to be there uh, when he integrates it to help because that stuff was super cool. And really game changing. And, and one of the things I really liked about it, and this is something you don't see a lot in the machining industry is, you know, a lot of times when someone's selling you like a system or whatever, they just want you to do everything completely their way. Uh, this company was, and I'm not trying to like do a sales pitch for them. I was just very impressed. Um, they had a lot of ways to integrate with different types of systems and different workflows. And say you already have these, you know, different pallets you're using that have mighty bites on them or something. Um, they had ways to integrate their system straight into that without you having to completely 
upheave everything you've spent the past like few years building. So I thought that was, you know, really impressive and, and a cool approach. I mean, that's, that's what I'd like to see more of in the future. Yeah. Well, and I love about their stuff that it provides you a path to automation. Like if you don't have a robot or don't have an automated process, you can buy their hydraulic stuff with a manual accumulator and then always just go to an automatic one downstream and like not have to change your fixtures, not have to change anything, but the pressurizing unit, which I thought is always like a really cool, like I, I hate when people see something so cool and they're like, well, I need, you know, 400 grand to start using that. Whereas this one, it's like, well, you can spend, you know, a couple hundred bucks and like start automating stuff manually and then just like go full bore later on. Yeah. And I think that's one of the trends that you're going to be seeing in um, manufacturing hardware and software and, you know, sort of fusion spearheaded this, but like really focusing on that small and mid-sized business shops like yours and mine um, and giving them on ramps rather than just trying to get a huge ticket price and like getting them to go all in. I think that market is pretty tapped out. Like there's always innovations to be had, but when you're selling to factories, like those factories have, you know, um, large companies trying to get in there and building one-off innovations and stuff. But if you look at the actual market, especially like with the rise of, of companies like Zometry and Fictive, you see that like, I think there's something a lot of people didn't realize is how large of a part of the U S manufacturing industry, small and mid-sized businesses are because it sort of works in silence. You don't notice the job shop down the street, stuff like that. Um, so, and then as a salesperson, you know, who's paid on commission, you're always focusing on that big ticket contract that you're going to be able to land and seeing companies actually, rather than just from the sales side, really from the product side, actually empathize with what the use or what the needs of the users are. That is, I mean, incredible. So I'm, I'm really excited for this, like to, I mean, I may be wrong about my prediction on seeing the industry go this way, but I'm seeing signs of it and it's, it's making me super stoked on it. Definitely. Well, speaking of trends, you mentioned kind of automation and also focusing on smaller shops. Is there any other trends you noticed at the show? Mm, no. <laughs> yeah. Automation <laughs> I, seemed like the big one for me, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I did find it interesting that people are moving from the idea of slapping a robot arm on everything to actually building it like integrated gantry systems that are actually fast, efficient, and purpose-built. And that's a cool, you know, uh, differentiator. And like I mentioned earlier, just the fact that the integrations are so much more slick now than they used to be and, and far more user-friendly, I, I think that's, um, you know, that's really going to pay dividends for people on all sides. It's, it's going to be great for the machine tool builders. They're going to get more people automating. It's going to be better for the shops. They're going to have to worry less about building in automation. And it's just, it's going to become the standard. Um, yeah. And, and it's cool to be in this phase right now where it feels like we're actually really moving into the future of what manufacturing is going to be like that may that might sound a little like dramatic, but, uh, you know, it, it's sort of what we're seeing in the past few years. And, and the fact that it's becoming accessible is just incredible. Yeah. Well, I, one thing that um, I took away that I saw, I can't remember which I think it was the Miano booth was they. Fanuc actually now has a way to program their robots through the control. And I kind of wonder if Ooh. Haas forced them that way, because you can program a Fanuc robot through the Haas control with like their robot packages. And now with the plus controls from Fanuc, you can do the same thing. 
uh, is, is what I was told from a few different manufacturers who had wow. little arms on their yeah. So I was like, well, man, if you if you can get Fanuc to change, like that's a big <laughs> yeah, deal. <laughs> that's that's a really big deal. I didn't yeah. know about that. I gotta look. You gotta send me a link on that. That's cool. Yeah, I have to find something. Uh, the last question I've been asking is, what was your favorite memory from IMTS? Doesn't have to be at the show. Just from the week, what was your favorite thing? I can't share my favorite memory. <laughs> um, <laughs> The well, second favorite. <laughs> in, in general, I think um, meeting and this again, this is a very broad answer, but meeting all these people I've known for basically years now online in real life, and I was sort of expecting that people would be different, and I'd be a little bit shocked. But what I really ended up being shocked by was how everyone is exactly the same when I really met them, <laughs> that they, they come off to be as online. Um, so I, I think overall, just, just meeting up. I mean, you and I have never met in person before. Um, I got a hotel room with Easton uh, from Moria Manufacturing. And, I, I, you know, the typical parental advice would be don't, uh, you know, don't get a hotel room with some guy you met on the Internet. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and then just just. Uh, all the other folks, um, you know, getting together and uh, it, it was cool. It, it was strange meeting someone for the first time and, and already feeling like old friends. And um, yeah, it was, it was great. I mean, I, uh, I miss it already. <laughs> I've been having IMTS withdrawals, to be honest. Yeah, me too. It, it was very, very interesting meeting all you guys. And then, yeah, like you said, just like feeling like old friends. Well, Pete, thank you so much for taking the time. Where can people find you online if they want to follow along? Yeah, uh, people can find me at shatter.dev. Um, hopefully, you'll be uh, seeing more of our stuff in, in different shops. And uh, yeah, that's that's where to find me. Instagram's chatter.dev too, or pt.ox if you want to see dumb posts. So there you go. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, Pete, for the time. I appreciate it. Cool. Absolutely. It's from Part Shop Max. Chris, how was your I IMTS? Hey Dylan, how's it going, man? Um, it was uh, it was a great time. Uh, I gotta say, the number one thing was hanging out with uh, a lot of the Insta Machinist guys. That was pretty cool. Um, finally, putting a face to everybody and their handles. <laughs> Likewise, yeah. So the first question I'm asking everybody is, what was the coolest thing you saw at the show? Coolest thing I saw at the show. I would probably say um, if you follow me on Instagram, you would have probably seen it in my stories. It was uh, the figure G15. Um, it, was, it was like a digital sheet forming machine. And um, they're a subsidiary of desktop metal. So they had, um, for anybody that doesn't know, um, they had this machine that was kind of like a, a XY gantry machine where it had an HSK holder shrink fit that held a tool with a ceramic um ball i believe pressed into it and then um you can load sheet metal into the machine and um you can put these different um polyurethane pads and whatever assortment you want different durometers on this table and the table would push up from the bottom and back uh pretty much add support or back the sheet metal and then this tool would come down and press onto it. And it worked as a slicer does for 3D printing. And it would press down the metal and then um, start to form it layer by layer. And you can do kind of like a, I think like a 16 inch, inch draw on it. And um, it was a pretty cool machine. So you can 
pretty much make uh, I relate it to car body panels um, out of sheet metal, which if you're not going the high production route of, uh, you know, very expensive molds and things like that, then um, this machine would kind of uh, be able to do one off parts and, you know, just work off of a CAD model without any tooling involved, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's amazing. I completely missed that because, you know, it's so out of my realm. Um, I'm really glad that you brought that up because, yeah, I, I had no idea that was there. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people missed it. Um, I just I randomly came across it and I like fell in love with it. <laughs> well, that's kind of in the same vein of what you guys are doing. I mean, you're doing with ABS, but um, I imagine, you know, if you had a tool that you could prototype ABS sheets versus, you know, investing and making all the bucks and stuff, it would be pretty amazing for you guys. Oh, totally. And I have friends in um, in the automotive industry that do all the hand bodywork sh- metal shaping from scratch. And that takes like, I mean, so many years or a lifetime to perfect and become good at. And you'll never have perfect symmetry, right? So when something's computer controlled, you just get a, a great part and you can control the step down and step over of the thing. So you can get the quality um, uh, ratio to speed that you want. And yeah, pretty cool. That's really, really cool. Any other machines that stuck out that kind of you left with the memory of? Um, I went by the Formlabs booth and finally got to see the Fuse 1 3D printer. And, um, you know, just kind of seeing where it stacks up against the its high competitors, such as um, uh, Stratus and HP Multijet and things like that. And those machines are so expensive. But the Fuse 1, I think was running like about 40 grand for their whole system with the cleaning booth and everything. And the quality of the parts coming out of that were just insane. I, I definitely, um, would love to have one of those machines in the future. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's super cool. It's, I feel like we're finally getting that, that future that we were promised of like, Oh, you would be able to print, you know, end user stuff. And like, you know, I I don't think that many desktop machines are doing that, but like the multi-jet, um, and like the fuse one, like you said, like they're, they're finally producing parts that like, I would feel comfortable selling to someone. Yeah, definitely. Um, what is something that you either bought already or will buy shortly from the show? Um, so the first thing I bought right when I got back was actually, uh, I ordered, um, one of those AB tools, shear hogs. Um, so I'm using a two inch, uh, Mitsubishi AXD right now for for doing my roughing in the machine for that tooling board material and I'm getting kind of a lot of dust and I wanted to try something that had maybe like a sharper rake to it and then finally putting my hands on the shear hog I got to kind of see how sharp it felt in my hand in my hands and everything and and I think it might um, produce better chips for what we're doing Uh, so I actually ordered a two and a half inch shear hog um, and then as far as machines go, um, I brought this up a couple times uh, to the guys that I was with, but I went over to the CMS booth to check out their uh, gantry machine, um, the Antares. And it's got the same gimbal head uh, spindle like ours um, and just a, a bit larger format machine, which we're starting to outgrow the Haas. So I went to go take a peek at that running and it, you know, kind of fell in love with it. We actually 
poured our concrete pad big enough for the footprint of that machine. So that would be the machine that'll replace the Haas eventually. Um, but yeah, it was a really cool machine. Just three, I think it was like 3,100 inch per minute rapids on a gantry machine, Jeez. which is kind of scary. <laughs> That's insane. Um, it's supposed to be a little bit more rigid than the Haas and more accurate. So I think um, it definitely um, would handle our needs. Uh, is that yeah. also an HSK machine? Yeah, HSK 63. You can option the spindle on that one out for different um, kilowatts or horsepower. And um, the pretty much the top of the line spindle that they offer for that machine is about the same horsepower as the one we have in the Haas, um, which is, uh, I believe, like 20 kilowatts. And then I think it was like 24,000 RPM in the Haas right now. We have 20,000. And that was the only one I believe that was HSK 63A. And it's um, that specific spindle offers something. They call it Synchrono, which is um, pretty much just having a, a, a spindle that can synchronize and do like rigid tapping. Oh, nice. Yeah. Which we can do right now. But yeah. That's great. Uh, were there any trends that you noticed overall at the show? Things that kept coming up at different booths across many uh, manufacturers? Uh, automation. <laughs> automation was big. I mean, it seems like every booth just had a robot arm there, you know, loading parts or doing something or, or a, a pallet pool system or something like that. So, um, yeah, that was just everywhere. I was so, uh, I don't want to say surprised. I mean, I was overwhelmed, I guess, but, um, but you know, that's just the way uh, this industry is going. Right. And I would say the other thing I saw was probably a lot more EDM than I expected. And I think a lot of that has to do with the growing popularity of uh, the metal 3d printing. Um, obviously that's, uh, I wouldn't say essential, but it is one of the key processes to, um, or post processing, I guess, of 3d printing, right. Being able to cut, um, all of the, uh, the structure and everything off of the build plate. So yeah, I saw a lot of examples of that. Yeah. There's a lot of EDMs that I saw that were geared specifically towards that use case where they're using like a, a molybdenum wire that they kind of run back and forth mm -hmm. versus like consuming the wire constantly. Right. Uh, which I thought right. was really interesting. Yeah. And, um, I'm not too, uh, familiar with EDM. So, um, uh, seeing some of the machines that had uh, the part kind of um, in the air suspended and not actually completely submerged in a tank was kind of cool because you could actually see what what's happening. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And the last question I'm asking everyone was what was your favorite memory from IMTS this time? Oh, favorite memory was definitely uh, the instant machinist meetup um, at the Kern booth. That was pretty cool. Um everybody was just mingling and talking to each other. And um, it's so funny because I kind of didn't begin the conversations with like, oh, you know, I guess what's your Instagram handle? You know, you just get into talking about things. And then at the end of it, um, it was kind of funny. It's like, oh, yeah, this is my Instagram handle. It's like, oh, I've been following you or talking to you forever. You know, it's kind of funny. Yeah, yeah it was crazy. There's so many people that yeah, I would start talking with them. I was like, I, I feel like I know this person. And then, yeah, I'd look at their badge or something and notice their their company name. Be like, oh, man, we talk all the time. Like, of course, right. I, I know you. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. But it was great, man. Just everybody was awesome. Everybody was awesome. And um, 
it, it's amazing how much accumulative knowledge there was in that booth between you know the amount of people and their talent and everything there it was it was awesome yeah yeah it really was well chris thank you so much for taking the time to join me today uh where can people find you online um i'm pretty much only on instagram really that's the i have facebook don't use it um just really on instagram and my handle's uh cad chris awesome well thank you again all right thanks dylan i am back with david from like and precision Devin, what was the coolest thing you saw at the show? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, let's see. Coolest thing. Like what? Um, what comes back with you? Because I know there's a few demos and a few things I saw that like when somebody is, you know, asked me to talk about IMTS, like those are the first things that come to mind. It's like, oh, man, this is cool. This is cool. I mean, the whole show is cool. Like, let's be honest. But yeah, you know, what were the yeah. what were the standouts? Yeah, I'm. uh I'm a little disappointed actually at how little time we had and that I, I kind of went with a lot of focus, which I think was good. Um, but I didn't, uh, I didn't get a chance. We kind of like walked the whole show really quickly, but didn't get a a chance to, uh, just kind of like stop and ogle a lot of things. But, um, I would say there was, there was two things that were kind of like already on my radar. Um, that were pretty cool. One, I'm not sure if you saw this, but did you see the uh, Robo Drill demo where they had two fourth axis rotaries that had the rotary axis along the Y, um, and they were doing oh. a part handoff between two vices and then using them to pick the blanks off of the wall and then dump them into a bin? Do you see that? No, that's super cool though. So that was very cool. It was definitely like a not a one size fits all solution, but it kind of fits in with a lot of stuff I've been thinking about. So it was kind of cool to like witness it and be like, oh, someone else has thought about this. Someone who knows what they're doing, <laughs> I guess I should say, has thought about this. Right. It's not as harebrained as you thought. <laughs> yeah. It's not as harebrained as I thought. Um, it works. Like clearly they're making a lot of parts. Um, so that was pretty cool. Basically, they had like a magazine on the inside wall of the robo drill that was preloaded. It was like a vertical magazine. So it had a bunch of parts that would just fall down as the one on the bottom was pulled out. Oh, there cool. was, okay. yeah, there was two rotaries facing the operator with vices that were pretty high off the rotation of center. So they had a lot of swing. Um, so the one on the right, if you're looking into the machine would turn 90 towards the wall go over the vice would close on the part in the magazine pull it out it would go back to normal to z then it would do the machining and then the next the next rotary which had a very similar setup uh they would both turn to center and just like i guess they had figured it out so that they would just like mesh like two gears effectively the next vice would close the first one would open then they would open like two gears it would machine the bottom and then that second vice would just dump it into a bin that was underneath the rotary. Um, oh, that's super cool. I didn't realize that you, what you were saying was that the vices themselves were the automation. The vices actuation. were the automation. Yeah, that's exactly. So cool. Yeah. So, you know, and it's, this is kind of like on par with a lot of stuff we've been, I've been thinking about and discussing with Uriel from, uh, austere manufacturing. We, we've been talking almost every day about like kind of low cost, automation solutions 
outside of just buying a robot and using it to put parts in a vice. So that was pretty cool to be like, ah, this is a, like a full featured implementation of that. Um, another thing that I saw, actually two situations where, again, this was just sort of a, uh, like, a, um, what do you call it? Just a verification that the thinking that Ariel and I have been talking about is kind of on track was that both um, Hermla and Sterag were doing a part loading scenario very similar to ideas that we had thought about. Um, did you look at the Sterag part loading situation at all? No, I must have missed it. I, I spent a lot of time watching their 191 Neo demo, but that was all bar-fed peak, I think. Okay. Um, I'm actually not even... Was that the machine, if you were kind of like looking into their booth, was it over to the left or was it to the right? It was to the right. Like if you went down to that okay. booth from Yamazin, it yeah. was the, the machine like on the far right. Okay. And I didn't even look at that one at all. <laughs> That's how <laughs> much of a hurry I was in. Uh, so they were using the, the machine on the left. They were using a spindle gripper to load their parts, but it had an automated trays thing set up where they had like a whole magazine of trays that were stacked and then a little like, I don't know, it's not a, it's not a gantry. It was just like a drawer slide basically. So like a door on the side of the machine would lift and this drawer would come into the work envelope to present itself to the spindle. And then they would just pick a part off, put it in the vise, the drawer would retract and they'd go to town. And then that drawer could get pulled into a magazine and there was like six drawers stacked that would go up and down. Oh, which cool. is another idea that, you know, we've been chatting about. Um, so I think those were kind of two of the highlights uh, in terms of just like, oh, and then Hermley was doing a very situ similar situation. They were loading with a robot, but mm -hmm. they had a bunch of different trays. Did you see that? That the yeah, robot the, could pull out? That's the RS1, I think, is that system? Could have been, yeah. Um, so that was pretty I cool. I know the uh, the RoboDrill E plus can be configured very similarly. That's the one with the it's a drawer system with a robot arm that will feed in through the side, and it's like all integrated. They, they okay. have the E plus or the K plus. The K plus is the one with the tower of vices. And yeah, tools. that's the one I've seen. That yeah. one's super cool, but crazy expensive. I mean, both the E plus and the K plus are very expensive. But um, yeah. Brad's old work has a bunch of the E plus machines with just the drawers and like yeah. those things just run and run and run like they're so cool yeah nice yeah so i think those are the highlights um okay well then let the me ask you this machines were cool yeah yeah no joke <laughs> uh next question was is there anything you have bought or will buy shortly from the show um no not directly you and I have chatted a little bit about this since the show, but I kind of came home thinking I was going to really start pushing my work towards um, proofing out workflows for pallet loading. Um, I've kind of had a little bit of an about face with that over the last couple of weeks, maybe even just the last week. And I'm really trying to lean into this uh, spindle gripper part loading thing to sort of see how far I can take it. Um, because I think at least with, the brother machines, it's going to be a better fit. Um, I am about to buy probably another Shunk pneumatic vice for that system. But uh, that's 
you know, that's just a carbon copy of what I already have. Um, maybe some like top jaw stuff. Uh, the shunk, the standard shunk vice interface is fine, but requires bolt holes through the top of the jaw. It's not easily adjustable. Um, so if you like totally orient your system for it, it's, it's, it's workable, but I'd like to come up with a little bit of a better quick change scenario. So maybe some top jaw situation, but other than that, no, no plans for any big purchases. Okay. And then were there any trends overall that you noticed at the show? Like things that were popping up at lots of booths? Yeah. I mean, way more robots than 2018, uh, way less cutting, <laughs> which I found to be a bummer. Yeah. No joke. Yeah, I feel like 2018, it was just like every corner you came around, there was chips flying. And this year, there was just a lot of air, <laughs> a lot of cutting yeah. air or machines not even moving. Uh, but yeah, I I mean, cobots, robots, they were everywhere. That was that was noticeable. Um, yeah, the cobots were cool. Like, I don't know. Did you go to um, I think it's like product productive robots that was across from Yamazin. They had like the green and white robots. No, I kind of eyeballed them, but I didn't, I didn't go in there at all. So I ended up stopping there because a friend I was with was curious about them. And then I ended up going back because their robots are relatively so easy to program that most of their demos were like, teach yourself how to do this. Like they had little cards next to the robot and they're like, here's how to do basic things you know, figure it out. And like, they would come by and be like, do you have any questions? And you could just be like, no, nah, I'm good. And they just <laughs> leave you alone and let you play with the robot. And like, so I was learning how to identify stuff with the camera and pick it up and all that. And it was, it was pretty impressive. I, I want to say that I heard they were like in the 30 K range too, yeah. which was not bad for a, a cobot. Yeah, that's cool. I kind of purposefully avoided looking at cobots this time around. Uh, I was kind of heavy on that tip about a year ago. Um, and for the past like six, eight months, I've just been trying to, uh, sort of approach every question as like, okay, if I were to throw $30,000 at this, is a cobot the best scenario or is there some sort of other, you know, purpose built or just out of the box way that I could attack this for say a third or even, you know, a sixth of the cost, um, I don't think I'm sure at some point we will have cobots or robots in our, in our operation, but at least for where the business is right now, I think it's probably not the best use of funds. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm trying to uh, trying to steer away from that and, and try and be creative at least for the moment, see where that takes us. So are um, you planning with that new shunk vice to duplicate your setup on the other machine or are you adding like a three axis station to your setup? I think the plan, and I I say I think because I haven't fully modeled it out or anything yet, but I think the plan is to build a small uh, end-supported trunnion, but like compact with two shunk vices right next to each other. Um, So this, this system is sort of like, for the moment, I've given myself a part envelope of three by five effectively. Um, Z is a little bit adjustable depending on, you know, finger, finger length and jaw height and all that kind of stuff, but three by five. So the vices would be spaced 
far enough that I can get a five inch part in there on center and not run into the other part, but otherwise as close as possible. Um, cause I'm already running into the scenario of, uh, just trying to fit, uh, first op jaws of some kind and a pocket in the same jaw can sometimes work, but it's not like a reliable, just like punch go and, and hit it kind of workflow. Um, and because I'm specifically trying to design the system for like medium to low mix, so like 10 to 50 parts, not that you couldn't run more, but it has to be like something that you can go from proofing out a part to running it automated in like 10 minutes or less. Um, <clears throat> I, I need it to be super, yeah, there, there just can't be a lot that you have to change every time. So the current scheme is you pick up the blank, with a standard set of jaws or fingers on the gripper that pick up the blank. It gets picked back up out of the op one jaw on the hat. So it's still the same size. It gets set into the second op jaw with the hat. So it's still the same fingers. And then it gets dumped out of that vise with blown air through the jaw so that you don't have to have a custom finger to pick it back out when it's not the same shape anymore. Um, and obviously that requires that the fourth axis be able to flip over to do the dump, right. um, which is kind of silly to be like, I'm going to go to all this work to put this vice on a fourth axis just to be able to dump it. But <laughs> at the same time, it's like, it's there. You also get the added benefit of potentially doing second op fourth work if you need to, um, et cetera. And then I was going to orient them 90 degrees to each other. So one clamps on X, one clamps on Y. And then you could, depending on how your port part orientation is, um, put op one on either one, if you need it to be the long ways rotated or the, or the narrow direction rotated on, on the fourth. So anyway, that's what the, the second vice will be for is to just kind of streamline that whole workflow. Um, awesome. That's very yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, and then the last question I'm asking everybody was what was your favorite memory from IMTS this time? doesn't have oh. to be at the show, but just what was, what stands out as like just the coolest thing or the, the most fun that you had while you were there. Huh? Interesting. Um, probably just, you know, honestly going to some, some random bars in a cool neighborhood and like coming across this like 10 piece jazz band that was just like ripping it and <laughs> sitting outside and yeah, it was beautiful. And you were there, the weather was really nice while we were there just hanging out with some friends at home. It's just as I was joking with another friend who runs a shop here and he was like, it's kind of funny that we had to go to Chicago to just hang out like normal people. But <laughs> it's also like the truth that we're all super busy and it's hard to, to connect. So it was fun to just have some time away from, away from the shop, away from family for a minute to just kind of slow down and, and hang out. So that was, that was pretty sweet. For sure. Well, Devin, thank you so much for taking the time. Where can people find you online? Uh, Lycan underscore MFG on Instagram. Although I'm a little spotty about posting these days, trying to be better. Uh, and then lycanprecision.com. I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> you can shoot me an email. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again. Right on. And I'm back with Andrew from Henry Holsters. Andrew, thanks for taking the time. Glad to be on. So first things first, what was the coolest thing you saw at the show? So a lot of the things at the show 
were the same as what I saw in 2018. But what was interesting to me was that I was able to approach them with a new level of understanding, having done years of work and tons of research and reading since then. So I was much more interested in five-axis stuff, this IMTS, than previous ones. And the just the beauty of the movements and the precision of machines from Hermla and Kern was much more impactful now that I knew more about how that actually works. So that was really fun. It wasn't just like, oh, wow, cool, there's a statue in that booth. It's like, oh, wow, that that's a really complicated process. And the surface finish on that is bananas from every angle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Brad and I commented something similar because we realized last IMTS, we didn't even have our first Speedio. Mm-hmm. And so like we had, we had the kitty and I think we had the older brother, the TC that we sold. But yeah, just in terms of like level of machining and level of understanding, it was such a big upgrade from 2018. So you were, you were moving in slow motion then and now you're at like real life speed. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, next up, what were the, what is a thing or things that you bought or will buy shortly from the show? Uh, I bought two brother R450X2s and they were delivered today. So that was a, it was an on my mind thing. I did not go to IMTS committed to buy those, but we have two S700s and one R650. And I've been looking at the R450 for a while. I bought the 650 because it was a showroom demo machine trade show. It had traveled. I got a good deal on it because it had been used. It had a little bit of wear and tear on it. Totally fine. Not a problem for us. And it is kind of oversized for what we do. And so I was looking at the 450 going, you know, this is actually a better work envelope for what we make. And I had actually never been in front of a 450 until this IMTS. They'd been at previous IMTSs. I had just not paid attention to them. And once I got in front of one, I was like, oh, okay, yes. This is what I want to move to. Everything's close, single operator door, controls are right there. There's no loading door and then side control door like the 650. For what we make, it streamlined a lot of the things that are a little bit burdensome on the 650 and would allow me to get almost two machines in the footprint of one because they can basically go almost directly side by side. We left some space in between just for the ability to like walk around and clean the floors because I'm into that. But the the advantages of the 450 are going to be slightly faster cycle times, less footprint, less overall power and air consumption. Everything's more accessible to the operator. And we now have two identical machines so we can either double up on a single large production job or we can have two things running intermittently side by side and not have to interrupt production on the one 650 to do that. So yeah, I'm pretty stoked. They're here. They're in my shop. The air and power drops were done tonight and the machines should be powered up tomorrow. And then hopefully uh, have Yamazin send a tech down early next week to sign off on them, get everything done and then throw some Pearson stuff on them and make chips. Heck yeah. Yeah, congrats. That's ex- excellent. And now that we received our third brother, I do kind of know the, like, it's kind of nice to just have something where there's no learning 
done, you're just like, okay, time to work. Like, let's make chips. Yeah. The instant it's on, work coordinate, probing, programs, just dump it all on there. The only only difference is going from the 650 to the 450, we're going to have to reorient all our jobs in X and Y because we have enough Y depth on the 650 that all of our 12 to 14 inch fixtures fit in Y on the 450, they don't. So it's going to be a, we're going to be pulling all the work off the 650 and only putting it on 450s so that I can post all that code for all of our production programs again and not be mixing and matching some versions for the 450, some versions for the 650. We're just jumping over and then saving the 650 for some other projects later. Totally. And you got a kind of interesting option with your 450s if you're w- willing to share because I I had yeah, never heard of this. It's not here yet. So there was okay. an, a bunch of hype. I was excited. And then there was a delay. So <laughs> we do dry machining. Uh, our second 700 and our 650 have never had coolant in them. We are dry machining plastics like HDPE, Kydex, and Bolteron all the time. They do not need coolant and they don't need any kind of air blast. We just machine them straight up. And so we have not had to put coolant or even connect the tanks or the trays or anything those machines have just been dry the whole time and what that allows is we don't really need to have doors there's no risk there's no issue with coolant evaporation or mist or anything in the shop and so incidentally at imts talking to one of the sales guys at the amazon booth i saw a picture on his laptop of a shop that had like 12 or 14 450s, literally cheek to cheek, just tight side to side. And he was just showing me that picture as an illustration of, yeah, you know, the 450s, a lot of companies just put them just like, you know, like sardines. And I looked at the picture. I'm like, how are all those machines running with the doors open? And he's like, oh, they have light curtains. (laughs) And I sat there and I went, Lloyd, You've had light curtains this entire time (laughs) (laughs) and realizing that for what we do, where our average cycle time is between a minute 40 and 2.30, where we're just opening and closing doors constantly throughout the day, realizing that we could put light curtains on a twin table pallet machine and never have to open and close a door again was just... And I'm happy. I'm not bitter. I'm a little bitter. <laughs> it's one of those things where you're just like, this is this is a thing. It's out there. It and it actually it was slightly cheaper than auto doors. And I don't given the choice between the two, the light curtain is just less motion, it's less time. It has less moving parts. It's non-mechanical in the same way. It's just, hey, as long as you keep your hands out of the machine loading door, it just runs. And all we're doing between cycles is blowing off a handful of dry chips and changing out parts. If we change 400 parts a day on average, five days a week, not having to open and close the door every single time 
is a real gain. Oh yeah. Definitely. Not not just not just a a minor occasional quality of life improvement, but like, oh, hey, this one thing that you used to have to do all the time that added no value, didn't improve the product, was just a form of wasted motion, a lean waste. It's now gone. But what's nice is the light curtains don't obviate the doors. You're you basically just lock the doors open, install the light curtains. And if you want to, you can still close the doors. So they're physically oh. there. You don't have to you don't have to take them off the machine. You just interconnect the light curtains to the safety switch rather than the door key to the safety switch. So you can do one or both. And that's cool. Now the ins and outs of exactly how to work and minor variations in how we use it until we have it installed. I don't know for sure, and it's going to be field installed. So the machines are landed, but there was a delay. The light curtains are not going to be available till sometime in mid to late November or early December. And so for the meantime. Yeah, got to close your doors like, like left, us clubs. Right, left, <laughs> right, left, right. Very cool, though. I'm looking forward to seeing is how this, that works out for is you. Is this some joke that I don't have enough light curtains to understand? You know. <laughs> Uh, let's see. What trends did you notice overall of the show? The thing that I noticed overall that I found most exciting was a lot of the shops that I met at IMTS in 2016 and 2018 were at that time, basically all in startup mode. There were a few exceptions, but most of the Insta Machinist community was in startup mode. I actually remember having a fairly long conversation with a couple of people in 2018 who were on the sort of legacy publishing side of the machining industry. And they had not paid any attention to Instagram. They didn't know what the Insta machinist hashtag, anything about it. And I'm like, Hey, okay, let me get my phone out and show you like, here's like 60 posts in the past hour from, you know, solopreneur owned shops who are here on the floor right now that you could meet today. And the guy's mind was completely blown because the speed of publishing the info was just instantaneous, not paper. But coming to 2022, a lot of those shops have now identified a key market that they work in. They've established a niche and gotten traction there. And they've tasted a bunch of options in terms of sales method, channels, work holding, tooling, all this stuff. And almost everybody that I talked to who I'd met at IMTS before was now looking at much more specialized machines for exactly what they do. Nobody was buying Haas VF2 SSs. Right. Everybody was looking at automation, robots, Hermlas, Kerns, pallet pools, other things because they they had gotten enough reps in, in the space that they're in individually for their company, for their market, their customers, that they were no longer interested in a generic one size fits all solution. And that is awesome. It was so cool to see some guys clearly branching toward, you know, pallet pool, horizontal stuff. And some guys clearly jumping toward high mix, low volume, Arawa style, you know, bank of stuff for a five axis machine and other guys just saying, you know, most of my work is 
simple three axis. I just need volume. I'm going to buy three more straight up three axis mills and just blast away at these parts. And everybody had a better understanding of where they fit and what they do by an order of magnitude than I had seen at the last IMTS. And that's awesome because the solutions that are most exciting and most effective are tailored specifically to the materials you work with, the work holding you prefer, the tooling you need, and that's that's reach, gauge length, tool diameter, like do you need big plus, do you not, how many RPM do you need, all that stuff. And everybody had branched out. And that meant the conversations were a little, sometimes people talk past each other. Like the current meetup, I was talking to a, a whole bunch of people and sometimes it's like, oh, what do you do? And they say, it's like, I'm like, well, I have no idea what that's like. And <laughs> I, I, you know, you're, you're basically, I'm from Venus, you're from Mars. I have no idea what your kind of machining is like. But for a lot of shops that I talked to before, seeing them hit their stride and find where they belong, where they want to be, was super exciting. And there's been such really cool automation stuff, not just like uh, Trinity Systems, Arrowa, but things like in-spindle grippers from like austere manufacturing. Ural, that stuff is amazing. The idea of having a flip station and a pallet of stock and an in-spindle gripper. I remember seeing um, uh, Ben, Ben's Ben's, doing like indexing stuff on a fourth with a key in the spindle that would clock the parts. And at the time, I didn't have any grid to understand that. And that looks like much more accessible stuff now. And the companies that need it, see it and can move straight to it. Now, I have no need for a U500 or an M200 5-axis, but I want both of them. <laughs> Well, the last question then that I've been asking everyone is what was your favorite memory from IMTS 2022? So actually on my way out, this was the first year that I did not go for a full week. I had a bunch of stuff come up that week and I ended up going, I think I was just there Tuesday and Wednesday. I was there for two days, which meant that I had a lot more urgency to what I was doing, where the first two IMTSs I went to, I basically made a plan to hit the whole show, walk all the floors, and just see everything. It also didn't help that I I broke a toe the week before IMTS, so I was oh, gimping geez. around on a broken foot. The, uh, the insider tip is there's a tram system that is basically you know, club golf carts that runs from building to building to building all day. It's free. You just walk outside, and you can climb on a golf cart and go – from north to east, from east to west. And it just, it saved me so much hassle. The first day I forgot about it. And then one of my friends was like, why are you limping? And I'm like, I broke my toe. And he's like, why are you not taking the tram? Because oh. like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and so the whole second day, anytime I needed to go anywhere, I took the tram. But my favorite memory from this IMPS. So I have a really soft spot in my heart for AB tools. Because... They, Alfred made a custom two flute left hand helix down spiral combination drill mill chamfer bit 
for me. It's a very odd duck. Wow. Back in 2014, so that I could do three different operations on a part on a little desktop router. And that was the tool that made it possible for me to launch my first product and make enough money to buy my first Speedio. And so every time I go to IMTS, I love going to see AB Tools and seeing Liz and Nick and John Baker and until this year, Alfred. Obviously, you know, we love him to death. We're sorry he couldn't be there. I missed Alfred terribly. Yeah. And I'm so glad that he's doing well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's amazing how his progress has been. And I've been praying for him and checking up on him. But it is such a joy to see a small company like AB Tool, who is excellent at what they do, but they're never going to be like in an ISCAR booth. Right. They're always going to be a small company where you know everybody's names and they take care of you and they know who you are. And that's like my favorite thing at IMTS is going to see the handful of companies who I've worked with now for the better part of a decade who have taken care of me, answered my emails, answered my phone calls, and enabled me to grow my company so that we can go from, in 2014, zero employees to 2019, four employees, to 2022, 17 employees. That's and crazy. All, I had no idea what your current count was. I hired, I hired five in the past month. Holy cow. Congrats. We've been, we've been growing. It's exciting. And that kind of that kind of progression doesn't exist without all the other companies that are small enough to care and personal enough to know you and invest in you and that i hope i never grow out of that i don't ever want to be just a suit at imts who's walking around shopping for the bottom dollar on flat bar stock I always want to be going there in kind of a goofy shirt with a backpack <laughs> with a backpack full of energy drinks and granola bars and just hoofing it around all day to see friends that I care about who have their own companies, who have been slogging along, building their brand, making sales, finding customers. And it was so cool to see how everybody has grown. Obviously, not everybody has grown. A few companies that I saw four years ago are not there now. But overwhelmingly, the companies that I was really hyped about and guys I got to be friends with, they they just keep trucking. They're not giving up. And they're, they're finding new and incredibly creative ways that I would not think of to design new products deliver better value, keep their lead times down. It's so fun to see what they're doing. That said, I don't think anybody, anybody needs a Kern. <laughs> <laughs> but you want one. But I, but I fully support, I fully support anybody who gets one because I want one for no reason at all. I want, I actually want two. I want one to run production, but I want one to just play around with because mirrors are fascinating and I would like to machine some. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, Andrew, thank you so much for taking the time. Where can people find you online before we close? We're on Instagram at Henry Holsters. And also you can find us on YouTube and that our website is henryholsters.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. You're very welcome, Dylan. Have a great night. And I am back with Nick from P3D. Nick, what was the coolest thing you saw at the show? Oh, man, I wasn't prepared for this. Um, I mean, I, I guess I, I have to come right out and say the coolest thing is probably the Kern because uh, uh, we, we sort of set up a self-fulfilling prophecy uh, with the last episode. Yes, um, yes. Well, so my second question I've been asking everyone is thing you bought or things you bought or will buy shortly from the show. So we can wrap <laughs> these two into one. Yeah, the, I, we could probably fill the entire 15 minutes with this, so I'll, I'll try to keep it short and sweet. So, uh, yeah, where we last left off, I was eyeing the Doosan, and I was looking at some other potential machines. Uh, basically, I didn't go to IMTS to go and, and look at all the, the pretty demos. I really went there with a mission. I, I needed to find a higher-end 5-axis, so Doosan was on my list. I got them to break it in a hurry, so that uh, quickly fell down the list. Yeah, it looked like a fine machine, but it needed some bugs worked out. Uh, looked around some more. Uh, looked at the Kitamura Med Center. Um, sweet little machine, and it was high on my list, but it just felt a little bit small. Like, not only was it a small table, but it had a small working area and travels and everything, but the footprint was right. Right. Um, and then walked around a bit more, looked at, you know, looked at DMG uh, at their event, looked at some other stuff. Uh, Micron Mil E500U, that was looking awesome. Um, we were really close to pulling the trigger on it. And yeah, I know. Then, Cause like Wednesday we talked and you're like, yep, I'm pretty sure that's it. That's going to be I, the one. I was pretty sure because it would be a one-to-one -one UMC replacement as far as size. It had 60 tools it had a pallet changer. It came with all the stuff I wanted. The price was right. I was like, okay, I'll sell my two Haas machines and replace it with one Micron. And, um, but, you know, I was talking to some people and I heard the service was maybe not fantastic, uh, especially in the U S and especially in like the Southeast. So I was like, okay, let me just do one last pass on uh, like Wednesday night and uh, Thursday morning. And I, I was uh, at dinner with um, Dan over at Kern and he's like, Hey, come by the booth in the morning. So we like, of course, everyone is kind of known. I, that's been my, a uh, Kern has been my dream machine. I just, I thought it was out of reach and we, uh, uh, we, we came to an agreement you know, still a little bit of a stretch for us, but uh, we will be receiving next spring, like late next spring, a Kern Microvario with the Congrats. internal pallet changer and uh, a future Aroa. They're they're back ordered for a long time now, like a year plus. So we will get an Aroa eventually, but we'll have forty two thousand RPM HSK forty spindle. We'll have a thirty pallet internal pallet changer that can still do the vast majority of the parts I'd want to put on this machine, and um. I think it goes without saying that I'm not going to have the accuracy issues that I've struggled with on my, <laughs> my Haas machines. Uh, yeah. I, I think I have not only stepped up, but I have, I have bypassed that question entirely. Definitely. So I, I can no longer blame my tools. <laughs> yeah. Well, congrats. Cause I know, yeah, it was such a shock. Like we spoke Wednesday at the Instagram meetup and you're like, yeah, no, I'm pretty sure this is going to be it. Like that. It makes sense. Like, like you said, you know, UMC 500 replacement, and then I came to Kern just to say goodbye and you were there and I had no idea anything was happening. And then I, I was on my plane and you messaged me like, so I just bought a Kern. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. They let us ring the bell and everything, which was awesome. That is super cool. Um, yeah. It was one of those, like couldn't pass it up. Um, 
it pretty much had to make the deal right then and there just because we had a unique set of circumstances all around, you know, global economics and just some some other factors that was like, okay, this is we're not going to have another chance this either do this or, or, you know, wait a long time before it makes sense. Um, yeah. But like everything else about the machine is great. You know, the, the size is what I want. The accuracy is what I want. I love the design ethos. I love the people behind it. Um, I, I love the control because the other machine, the Micron, had a hide and hide. So it's like, okay, I'm happy with that. Um, but I think this will be good. Now, the big change that this introduces is because the current is a, well, it's called the micro for a reason. It's a small work area. So I thought I was going to sell both my Haas machines in order to make room for whatever the replacement was. But I'm actually only getting rid of our three-axis machine, the, the VM3, and I think I'm going to keep the UMC. It's still going to be a good fit for the larger, and I, I don't want to say low-precision parts, but just the stuff where I, I'm not chasing what are traditionally tight tolerances. You know, my, my plus or minus 5,000 parts with occasional tighter features, it'll do those no problem. And it's big enough to do silly things in. Uh, and then it's also inexpensive enough, relatively speaking, to do silly things in. Right. right. So, you know, I, I don't have to abuse the Kern to do uh, oversized parts or, um, you know, try to end tap holes on a plate or something. It's like, I, no, I, I have the UMC for that. So it's going to be a tight squeeze in the shop. But I, I think I'm actually really happy with that solution. Um, I was just trying to like mental gymnastics, some other compromise at the show. Cause I wasn't really finding machines that fit what I wanted. And right. Well, I was talking to a couple of people and like it at the end of the day, it seems like a lot of five axis machines are like a giant compromise and kind of a giant liability. Like you're like, well, where am I? Where am I? Okay. Accepting these faults. And like, you kind of have to pick and choose and yeah, there's, there's not too many with the current, it seems like. I mean, yeah. besides maybe price and, and size of part, uh, work holding. Or, yeah, like parts. price was basically my, that was my only holdup. And again, like I said, we, we came to something that I is a stretch, but I can totally make it work. And it's, especially because it's such a unique machine. It's in such a unique class of precision and speed and they have a reputation. And it's, uh, I, I don't think we're going to have any problems feeding it. For sure. And that also... Like now I can say, hey, we're we're a high precision shop. And when when I tell people that I like doing the the weird parts that no one else wants to touch, I can say that ever more confidently. <laughs> and um you know, might might get us into some interesting places. Now, so the other part of this is because we are getting a high precision machine, I also need uh measuring equipment. Uh if not to match, because I'm not gonna jump straight to single digit micron work. Uh, I'll, I'll probably ease my way into the higher precision world. Um, but I at least need some solid measuring equipment. So at the very last minute, like after we, they made us the offer at Kern, I was like, okay, um, this changes things, but I need to leave in four hours. So I almost sprinted to the metrology building and I did like a speed run cause I haven't even been in there yet. I'd been shopping for five access machines in the other hall and I went to tooling and everything. But so I, I went in there and basically had everybody give me their best elevator pitch on their CMMs. Uh, it sounds like, uh, uh, Zeist Duramax, Dice Duramax. Um, <laughs> yeah, a, a uh, Zeist Duramax is probably what we're going to go with. Um, I know it's not like the cream of the crop as far as CMMs go, but we have space constraints. 
I don't have a clean room to set it up in. Um, even inside the office, I have dogs. They they shed. There's hair and stuff. I think a machine that's a shop floor style will be great to get us started. And if we move into another building where I can set up more dedicated uh, measuring facilities, then maybe we look at trading it in for something better. Oh, but. so on that front, real quick, I had so I at IMCS I met the local service rep for OGP for our, which is our uh, optical comparator that we have, okay. and they came by today, and he actually recommended I look into Ames CMMs. I think it's AMES, and okay. apparently they build a frame. And you can spec it out with whatever Renishaw probing system you want. And then you can use any software on it you want. So you can use Nikon CMM Manager. You can use anything you want and not be beholden to a service maintenance agreement. So I, this is not me endorsing it. I have zero research into it. Yeah. But I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting because those SMAs can be like very pricey. And like both Hexagon and Zeiss can kind of rake you over the coals for service. So I was like, oh, I'll, I'll look into it at least. Yeah, and for me, the big thing is software. It seems like they all have very good mechanical platforms, and they have they all have high accuracy probes. The numbers, at least as on paper, as far as those are concerned, all seem very comparable between like a Minotoya MyStar or the um, Hexagons. Uh, I forget what they call it, but their Tigo. shop floor. Yeah, yeah. Um, th- those all they all seemed very similar in terms of uh, footprint and capabilities and everything. But I've I've heard the software can make it or break it. Oh, yeah. um, and since we're a job shop doing low volume stuff, I don't, by the time I have a program set up and running, I'm already on to the next one. I, I can't sit there and, you know, dial something in and tweak it. So it just, it needs to be intuitive and fast. And, you know, I, cause I, I want to inspect my parts properly, but I also don't want it to take forever. Right. Um, so I still have research to do on that front. Um, I'm still picking some people's brains and harassing my local salesman and, so on and so forth. The lead times on those seem to be pretty short uh, versus the machine itself, the Kern. Um, so I have a few months yet to sort that out. Definitely. Um, yeah. And that, that may even trail the Kern because, like I said, I'm not jumping straight to ultra precision work. It, it, the first things first will be get the machine here, then tool it up, get familiar with it, and then start gradually pushing the limits from what I'm comfortable with now uh, closer towards you know, the upper bound of the machine's capabilities. We'll, we'll see where we end up, but my current measuring tools will suffice to probably two or three times the accuracy that I'm working to now, and uh, right. we'll go from there. <laughs> um, Very cool. Uh, but, the next question I've been asking everyone is, what trends did you notice overall at the show? I found that a lot of the salesmen were really open this time. Um, now, I haven't been to an IMTS before, but I went to Emo in 2019, which is like IMTS plus uh, and slightly more European. So over there, I had to really push people to get any, like even just a ballpark idea of what something costs um, or get some like technical details. Like they were a little bit cagey about things. And here at IMTS, I don't know if it's just because it was a predominantly American audience instead of distributors or if it's just because the times are changing um it was really easy i could walk up to somebody and say okay this is cool about how much does it cost and usually i would just before they could even say anything go yep i know uh your salesman can get you better pricing there's discounts to be had options just like what's a typical package ballpark is it how how many decimal places or uh (laughs) (laughs) is it is it five figures is it six figures is it seven figures and like people were 
willing to give me even more than that, they'd say, oh, yeah, that's $110,000. Right. Or it's like, uh, walk up to a tooling booth and ask about an angle head. And they're like, oh, it's like 2800 bucks." I'm like, oh, really? That's less yep. than I thought. And heck, even um, I was at the MST booth looking at some of their heat shrink holders and things. They had prices just stuck right to them. So you didn't even have to ask. Like, wow. Yeah. I think that that was a surprise. I, I, that was not the way that it was in 2018. Um, I, I noticed both much more information about pricing this time and much less badge scanning. Like I actually had to ask people to scan my badge. Whereas last time, I don't think that a day went by last time where my badge wasn't scanned like a hundred times. It was like, (laughs) Oh, you want a beer badge scan? Oh, you want this badge scan? Like they were, that's all they were focused on last time. And this time, like I literally had to ask salesmen, like, can you scan my badge and give me more information on this next time? And they're like, Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. They were pretty upfront about scanning my badge, but usually only after we'd had a decent conversation. Um, it wasn't just because I was there. It was because I was interested and genuinely wanted to follow up. Um, I didn't really have to pester them for it. Usually like as we were winding down the conversation, they'd say, Oh, Hey, have we scanned your badge yet? Right. But yeah, no, like very relaxed environment. Um, overall, it was a really fun event. Yeah. Well, that brings me to the last question then, which was, what was your, I guess, maybe second favorite memory of IMTS this year? <laughs> Honestly, probably the the group of us all just wandering around Chicago trying to find pizza for, for what, 16 people, where we just had an Insta-Machinist <laughs> gaggle roaming the streets, and we... We were hoping to find somewhere that could seat all of us, and that did not happen until uh, Katie finally called somewhere, and we found a back room. Uh, oh wow! Some oh oh, did you? I wasn't there that to... night. I had a dinner with somebody else. Okay, I, I think I saw pictures on the. Discord. Yeah, this is like like uh, like Pete and Easton and like a lot of the the crowd who have been on the podcast. We were all just kind of wandering around after uh, maybe it was the paperless parts event. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just trying to find some good Chicago pizza. And <laughs> like eventually after standing in line at a couple of places and that, you know, they'd say, oh, yeah, sorry, we don't have room for that many. We could take like two. Finally, Katie called somewhere and they, they found a like a really hole in the wall place that had a little back room. And we all sat around a table and nice. uh, talked shop over some very tasty pizza. And that like that was great. That's what it was all about. You know, we, we went there to shop for machines we went there for like business purposes but in the end just getting to see people after these past few years and for me this was my first time meeting a lot of other machinists in person like i kind of have my own little world down here i don't have a lot of local friends like some people do either in california or like the midwest it's it's kind of sparse here right um so it was just awesome to see everybody in person and meet properly yeah i completely agree i think easton was the only one i had met prior to imts this year Mm -hmm. and so meeting everyone you know you and katie included it was very cool to like put a a real face to a name and then kind of meet all you guys in person well yeah that was um that was a heck of an event though yeah definitely well nick where can people find you online if they want to know more uh, usually if you want to just chat machining stuff, uh, you can find me on Instagram at P3D creations. Um, otherwise I'm in the Insta machinist discord server if you're in there and, uh, worst case, uh, you can email me at Nick at P3D creations.com. And I, I, I kind of keep an eye on all of those. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. And so that wraps up the IMTS episode. 
Thank you all for listening. Thanks to everyone who we met at IMTS. I really appreciate you all supporting this podcast, um, whether it's through Patreon or just through, you know, talking to me and, and posting it online. Uh, I, I truly do. This is like a highlight of my week. And so thank you all for listening. I'll be back next week.